it's basketball season and we've got you covered. The Ringer NBA show breaks down the latest and greatest around the league five days a week. Check out The Ringer NBA show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. I'll take you to the top as long as you give me retweets, Musa. (laughs) (laughs) So easily bought. Retweet me to your billion followers. So easily bought. Small price to pay, Musa. (laughs) Yes, oh God. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ring RC. I'm Misa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, man. Sorry I had some technical issues before. Many restarts. It's all good. Listen, what is life but many restarts until we get the final product. Just nice so. that it's me for a change. <laughs> not, not that I enjoyed it at all. I was just quite enjoying my coffee, catching up on some news. All good. So and there's me no just being like, why won't you work? <laughs> why won't you work? No harm done. No harm done. The weather is glorious. It is, it is. Canadians will be delighted to hear that we will be no longer complaining about the cold. Yeah. <laughs> unless it drops into single figures at some point. I'm sure we can find some other Canadian content for the podcast. Well, we do actually. We've got plenty in the mailbag. Oh, great. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. Well, actually, two questions on the same thing, but it is Canadian. First up, before we get going, hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, getting vaxxed, become immune against Moose's takes. If no other reason, is that possible? get it for that reason. Is that possible? Though? Imagine if everyone it? got the vaccine and then every time, whenever they listen to Stadio, they're just like, this is actually really dry now. There's not a vaccine strong enough. I actually believe there's not a vaccine strong enough. <laughs> wow. people, yeah, I reckon if the world's best scientists worked for 50 years on a vaccine to make them immune to my takes <laughs> and people got vaccinated and I just gave them my hottest take, they would still gasp. The scientists themselves would still gasp. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. We thought we did well getting a vaccine out that quickly for COVID-19, but it's going to take us decades for Moose's take. Not possible. But yeah, hope everyone's hanging in there. Some admin, theringer.com forward slash soccer. Brian Phillips had a piece go up about the Champions League, which was good. And there will be loads of stuff going up on the Ringer throughout the Euros. There will be. So 
I thought that maybe today we could start with giving everyone the Euro schedule, giving them the lowdown. That's a good What's show. happening? Because everyone's like, really what's going on with the Euros? Yeah. What are we going to do? So, the Ringer FC feed, Euro 2020 schedule. Always feels weird calling it 2020 when it's 2021, huh? Yeah, yeah, very strange. Right, so, obviously, oh, well, before that, Righty's house went up yesterday. You and I joined Righty to talk about the final England squad. You did, and it was great fun. Rilo Ren made his debut Righty's house appearance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, maybe we should, I don't know whether we should talk about that because a couple of people have hit me up about that. About the Euro squad? No, no, no. About the, about Rilo Ren, whether it's some kind of just voice changer that I have that I hold in front of my face. I'm not sure whether to. No, 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 no. Don't listen. Don't, let don't people allow people behind. Take. No, no, never. Not behind the veil. No, no, It's no, not like no. one of those director's it's, commentaries. It's, it's the KFC recipe. You don't give them the KFC recipe. Okay. All, right. All we know well, is there's just, herbs and, yeah, there's herbs oh, and spices. Put it this way, it's not something that I bought, something that I made. I think it's something that was in you. If anyone asks what Rilo Ren is, it's, like, it's Ryan's final form. It's, it's his nothing true to do form. with me, really. It's not me. It's just... It's something speaking, the spirit me. speaking yeah, through exactly. you. Can't, I can't <laughs> find it. Uh, so yeah, go check that out. And then obviously, Stadio today, which you are listening to. There'll be a Stadio on Monday. We're not sure what we're going to do for that one yet, but we'll see. Oh, well, mm. well first of all, it'll be a... a We'll wrap up a load of leagues around Europe because it's the final Frau Bundesliga day, final... Yeah, big, big day. Uh, first division in France as well. For, so big weekend for the women's leagues around Europe. On that, actually, before we get into it, quick shout out to Jen B, who said, uh, can we have a shout out for AS Roma's Feminila? Their first ever trophy. They won the copper. Oh, wonderful. Their first. Jem also says, please tell me where the white chocolate croissant meringue thing can be found. Uh, we'll have to tell them if you're in Berlin it's at a of place course. called Cookies and Co in Cookies and Co it's wonderful yeah, Prince yeah. they also do for meat eaters among you they also do well, they used to do it they used to do a pan of bacon which was like a pan of chocolate but instead of chocolate chocolate it was bacon inside oh my goodness I know yeah Cookies and Co very strong wild it's near stations Prenzlauer LA Husermannstrasse on the tram and Eberswalder yep yeah, it's not that cross section of like Prenzlauer LA Danzigerstrasse for those Prenzlauer Berg peeps there you go. They, listen, there you go. Don't say we don't treat you on Stadio. Every now okay. and again, we do drop a gem. Yeah. We'll lay a little Easter egg for <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So Stadio on Monday, that will be the final Stadio until the group stages wrap, unless there's something seismic and we'll do an emergency pod. But through the group stages, it's just right at house. Now you and I will probably be on most of them, if not all of them anyway. That's right. Yeah. So it will be the 9th, the 13th, the 15th, the 18th, and the 22nd will be Righty's House. So pretty much every few days you get a Righty's House. And then the group stages will wrap and we will do a Stadio step back kind of group stage roundup. And then Stadio will come after every single stage of the tournament. So we'll do the 30th, the 4th of July. Oh, Independence Day. The 8th of July. And then we'll do one after the final. And then after that, we will break probably until about August the 9th. So yeah, plenty of podcasts through the Euros, but instead of going daily and just responding to absolutely everything, we thought we'd give ourselves the space, cover everything in a little bit more. Yeah, sounds great. Context and righty stuff will be focused around the England team as well. So so yeah, any other admin, Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify, go check that if you like the outros yeah. we play out with each episode. Uh, yeah, like I said, the forward slash soccer, there'll be loads of pieces going up through the Euros as well. 
If you do listen to a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. Be very kind. And I think that's everything. Stadio on, on Twitter, at Stadio Football on Instagram. You could also check our website, stadio.football. Uh, we should have a new piece going up, actually. Sana Koreshi might be doing something on Carlo Ancelotti's departure oh, from wow. Everton. So today, we're going to do a mailbag, and we're going to do a predominantly non-football mailbag because we thought it might be quite fun to answer some stuff outside of... Give people a peek behind the curtain. The quote, oh unquote, beautiful game. <laughs> but before we do that, Carlo's gone. Should we maybe touch on a couple of bits? Yeah, Carlo's yeah, gone. yeah. Carlo's gone to Everton. No, he hasn't. Carlo's left Everton to go back to Real Madrid. And I wrote a tweet about this saying, this, I'm absolutely heartbroken. I'm not even an Everton fan. I can see why, because, well, Aaron Duran said we went from being catfished to being catfished. Oh, no, I don't think he catfished you. I don't think, I know, I don't think, I don't think he did, but that's how it will feel. I don't think, it, I don't think it is that. It isn't that, but that's how it feels because Ancelotti, marquee manager, mm. someone with that gravitas, that experience, and you, you saw how Dominic Calvert-Lewin in particular learned under him. That learning curve doesn't happen as steeply under many other managers, maybe under a couple, but not many. The players that Ancelotti attracted, the attraction of playing under Carlo Ancelotti, a historically great club, that combination of factors is really special and was mm. a huge draw and I think would have continued to be a huge draw. Mm. You look at Everton now building something really exciting. Oh my God, see, I talked about it as if Ancelotti was still there. You know, Everton now would have been, this is the sad thing, Ryan. This is the perfect transfer market for Everton. You've got a load of clubs. You've got players who've had outstanding seasons. You've won league titles. I'm thinking of maybe Lille, for example. You've got a load of clubs who've got brilliant talents. who have won league titles against expectation who are maybe now looking for a different kind of move. And Everton is the perfect landing place for like, I would say a handful of those players. Even though it, their season didn't end the best, they're a really attractive option. Or certainly, not that they're still not, because they're still Everton, they're still a great club. I'm just saying that Ancelotti and Everton, that, that, that combination of factors, a great manager and a chance to kind of be part of a movement on the rise, a club on the rise again. Mm-hmm. And now that selling point's gone and that, to an extent. And that, that really, that saddens me as a football fan, if that makes sense. Yeah, it really does. Really, I'm gutted about it. Yeah, I am as well. And it, I think, the th- I mean, I saw a few snarky tweets going around about like, he brought in some big players and he's made them worse kind of thing. I think it was about a lot more than that with Carlo Ancelotti. I think Everton had gone through a number of managers who never really quite got the club, I felt. Mm. And I think with Carlo Ancelotti, it was, it was someone who seemed to really get the community focus of the club. Like, yeah. you know, him befriending lifelong fans who maybe have had health conditions and having Zoom calls with them and stuff like that through yeah. the pandemic and just yeah. seem to really get the community nature of Everton Football Club as well and seem to just really enjoy being there and yeah. there's part of me that completely understands that because it's very hard to turn down Real Madrid when they come calling yeah. but he's already done it like he's I don't for me and I get obviously you know you live in Madrid and Come on, I mean, Madrid is Madrid. But, you know, with Klopp at Liverpool as well, Liverpool is a really big footballing city to be at anyway. At any, any, any period through history, Liverpool is a huge footballing city. We've said before, Everton is a, is a big, big club. Mm. Very proud, historic club. And um, having Ancelotti and Klopp on Merseyside at the same time was huge. I think. It was amazing, yeah. And the yeah. thing with Real Madrid is that, you know, he proved it. He took, he took over, 
He took over after Mourinho last time, won the decima. He's got n- nothing to prove at Real Madrid, really. I felt that Everton was such a great club for him at this stage of his career. You know, unless things went really, really bad, he wasn't going to get a huge amount of pressure put on him, I don't think, because everyone loved him being there. And that brought a lot of goodwill. Just a really nice project to have. It was quite exciting. There were a lot of young players developing. Obviously, we've said Calvert-Lewin. Tom Davis has come back into really good form under him. There are a lot of younger players coming through at Everton that are genuinely quite exciting. And to go back to Real Madrid now, especially in light of the reasons that Zidane left, Mm. there's part of me that's kind of like, Carlo, man, what are you doing? You don't need that stress right now. You don't need this at the stage of your career. He doesn't, but then again, again, this is the thing. It's like the, um, you accept this as a Manchester United fan. It was always painful when players, big players would go to clubs like Madrid and Barcelona, but you always understood it because those clubs have a certain romance attached to them and it's not always a logical thing. And, you know, some people I've seen understand a lot of Everton fans upset with this, you know, feeling that he's betrayed their trust and all the rest of it. And I get that, like, because that's how you feel. But this is the thing you realise as a United fan, I said that a long time ago, there are only really one or two other clubs in the world that a player that loves United will leave for and they're Real Madrid and Barcelona because they're the, they're the teams you grow up. They're the clubs you grow up idolising. They're part of history. Like, you know, they're, they're rooted in something so deep, you know, and so are Everton, so United, don't get me wrong, I'm not even doing my own club down. I'm just saying that there is that pull and we don't always understand it as people from the UK, from England. We don't understand the historical pull sometimes of those European clubs and like what it is. And I, I of course, I'm not in a position to begrudge it because I'm not an Everton fan. I understand why it hurts. But this is one of those, this is definitely one of those issues where it's like, I don't believe that Ancelotti was using Everton as a kind of launch pad until the, the Madrid oh, dropping became available. I don't think he was on that. That me wasn't neither. his energy right. because if that was his mentality, the kinds of acquisitions he made would have been different. You know, bringing Hamas to Brigitte. Sorry, it's Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah. He doesn't need to use any club as a launch pad. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And, and I, I mean, if I'm yeah. being brutally honest, I would have understood probably more if he'd gone somewhere like AC Milan because mm. he's obviously succeeded there before. He was there as a player, won Champions League, well, won the European Cup as a player as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think in terms of like a career cycle, that's quite a nice arc. Mm. I just, uh, you know, he, he got a lot of stick at Real Madrid towards the end, Carlo. And, didn't? And I, I mean, wonder, and, yeah, and from, yeah. I mean, from a purely practical fit point of view, I wonder how much impact he's going to have there after uh, Zidane. They're too similar. I don't think it's a great fit. I think, I think it's a, honestly, I think it's a bad fit, if I'm honest, because I think the amount of rebuilding that has to be done in terms of transitioning older players out of the squad and giving them less playing time and bringing in younger talent because the squad is unbalanced. And Ancelotti typically in his career has been someone who's come in and kind of steadied the ship, motivated players. Yeah, Zidane style. Um, I, I feel that the, I fear that the reconstruction to be done at Madrid or the transition to be done is, mm-hmm. is beyond him actually. We'll keep an eye on the managerial stuff and we'll do more of that on Monday. Quickly before we take a break, some fans still want to boo the players taking the knee. Yeah. Um, Can I take this off your plate? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Here's your stadio guide to the taking the knee. Never boo them. If you want to boo them because you want to pull out some kind of like quote unquote political arguments or question the legitimate, le- how legitimate the organisations that are supposedly linked to it, go and do a little bit of reading first and see how linked they actually are to it. 
go and do a little bit of reading about the player quotes, about why they do it, until they decide to stop doing it, just support them. Ain't that deep? Amen. You don't have to debate everything, guys, because that legitimizes the argument of the other. Yeah. It ain't that deep. Yeah. Great piece by Daniel Story for those on Twitter. Daniel Story did a great piece uh, for The Independent about this, which expresses my thoughts perfectly. Thank you to Daniel for saying the things that's often too exhausting for many black people to say. Thank you, Daniel. Um, and if every, frankly, if every, every journalist in that field was as insightful as Daniel's story, we wouldn't have a lot of these problems. We wouldn't have a lot of these problems, but they're not. So yeah, thank you, Daniel, for educating people. Actually, not just educating me, because people know. It's not about education, actually. People know what they're doing. Thank you for reminding them that not everyone out there will stand for your nonsense, because it's clear. People aren't ignorant. People understand what this is. They know what they're doing it. And it's actually like some of the people doing it, it's not actually ignorant. In other cases, it's actually quite brazen. Yeah, quite brazen, exactly. Quite brazen, quite calculated. Yeah, we know what this is. Yeah, it's like, you know, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. And it's some people are going about their business being like, hey, look at me. I'm a duck. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Hear me quack. Yeah. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Mailbag. Mailbag, mailbag. Okay, this is going to be fun, man, because I don't think we've done a non-football in mailbag before. See what they got for us. Let me unleash all the takes, listen. Okay, right. First of all, we get this question a lot and I can't remember if we've covered it. So let's cover it super, super quickly. Um, it is Megan on Twitter. Wardang Meg. We had a few people hit, hit us up with this one. Can you give the Ryan and Musa friendship origin story? Okay, so long story short, I think I moved to Berlin a year after you or a year or so after you. Sorry, so they're calling it a friendship. Interesting. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Sorry, sorry. It's very on. much an arrangement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a mutual arrangement. Beneficially, like, mutual beneficial, mutually beneficial arrangement. That's what it is. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it to the top as long as you give me retweets, Musa. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so easily bought. Retweet me to I your was billion so followers. <laughs> So easily bought. Small price to pay, Musa. It's like when you it's like when you get really sucked into buying a dog and the dog is really annoying. But it's That's, it does make your life a little bit better, but it's a pain in the ass. That is me. That is mine and Musa's friendship. Musa is exactly, the dog exactly. owner and I am the dog. And he's just like Oh please. That's oh, uh, please. he's just like, I kinda wish I didn't do this, but it <sighs> is kind of working out. I mean it is what it is, isn't it? I knew what this was. I knew but what this was. I probably should have thought about this a little bit more before committing to this lifelong commitment. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um, no, so uh, we actually played football at the same football club for different yeah. teams within the club. And I think we'd met each other very, very briefly twice, once in the clubhouse there and the second time at the club Christmas party. Mm. And I was aware of your writing and I'd heard you pop up on the Arsecast a couple of times. And then when you were on the Arsecast once, I think I tweeted at you just being like, oh, Great to hear like a fellow uh, Rover, which was like the kind of nickname for the club at the time, on the Arscast. And then you tweeted back and we started chatting and then we went for coffee in Friesland. Yeah, that's what, 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And we just chatted about everything, football, politics, all kinds of stuff. And um, we would start doing that almost, it was pretty much weekly, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then eventually I was talking to you about something, I think it was the Ozil Sanchez debate at the time. And you were like, oh, you should write about that. And that was the first time I'd ever written anything about football and had it published. And yeah, that was it. We were away. And then we did a podcast yeah, somewhere right, else yeah. for a bit. And then we set up Stadio together. Yeah. Good vibes. And Musa hasn't slept properly since. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you asked my mates from uni, I wasn't sleeping probably before, but yeah, still. Now I've got something to blame yeah. on. That yeah. is the origin story. That is it. How long have we been pals now? Five years? Four, four five, years? Five. My four, God. Five. Four, my God. Yeah. Four, five, four, five years. Yeah. That's a while, isn't it? There you go. That is the Moose and Ryan origin story. So we have definitely said it now. There we go. We've definitely said it. Yeah, it's there. Okay, right. We had a, another couple of questions that we had, which I think are really funny. <laughs> we got this a lot since we mentioned it twice on the podcast. Chris Morrison and Scott Kavanagh. Chris says, did you actually enjoy The Littlest Hobo? It's a Canadian show and I never knew anyone outside of Canada who watched it. Oh my God, we loved it. Scott said, how did you both consume The Littlest Hobo? It's one of our best exports and an unofficial, an unofficial national anthems. So what was your experience of The Littlest Hobo? I think it was on after school, right? And so you come home and you watch it. And I actually had a friend, it's quite sad. My first ever best friend, Obi. Obi moved to Canada. Uh, in the summer holidays and we used to so it kind of maybe it has got that association as well Obi moved to Canada I grew up in like a suburb of Greater London well got a suburb of London and Obi we used to go and knock on his front door all the time and we'd like we'd chat and hang out and then one summer I went and he wasn't there anymore oh, and this no. is like before social media never just yeah and oh, it, no. like, so maybe 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 Obi at some level I associate with the Litless Hobo um, but we used to watch it all the time after school and it was just a theme tune now it's funny I don't remember the action of it now but the theme tune when the moment you started singing it on the podcast I was like oh my god I know the lyrics for that still mm. like it just it's just it's iconic and it, you watch The Littlest Hobo and you're like why does a show feel like it's describing friendships that I had many many years ago it's the kind of show that makes you feel old mm. even though you're young because it's describing a a rootlessness and an endless searching, well, existential show, basically it's an existential show yeah. that's actually quite profound at that age to be confronted because when you're a kid, like it's about creature comfort, isn't it? You know where your favorite tuck shop is, you know, if you're sweet, so you know where your favorite like park is, your favorite swing, you've got all those things. It's fixed being a kid. There's some element of it that's fixed. And then it's just hope is introducing a very adult concept of rootlessness mm. and, and unbelonging. It's actually very radical. Maybe tomorrow I want to settle down. Yeah. And I've wow. kind of, if I look at my career and my life, I've actually kind of, I've kind of become the Littlest Hobo. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> me. <so fun. laughs> and it wasn't until the ringer, until he wanted to settle down. Indeed, yeah. And there you go. What, 41 years. <laughs> um, my memories of the Littlest Hobo are very, very hazy because I seem to remember it being on also after school, but I'm a little bit younger than you. I seem to remember walking into my nan and granddad's house and it being on. So when I hear the music a lot of the time, I think of their living room. Right, right. And my granddad sat in his chair directly opposite the television, always with a remote in his hand. Was it with granddad's? And the remote was like welded to their palm. Yeah, yeah. never left their hand. Right. It resurfaced again in 2000 and 
I think it was like 2010 or 11 when Dulux, the, the paint company that obviously had that incident with Tottenham Hotspur recently, they used it in an advert again. So the Dulux dog was running around and it was like the Littlest Hobo theme tune. And I think that's where it popped back up in people's memory. And a lot of people then discovered Littlest Hobo via that like, like 10 years ago for a new generation. Yeah. yeah so yeah, that's the Littlest Hobo. Moving on to, we've got loads of like film stuff. Oh, great. Okay, so let's do this one from Owen Thorpe. Mogwai once scored a film that just followed Zidane through a game. Obviously, yeah. Zidane, what was that? Zidane, a modern portrait? Is that what it was called? What player and artist would you most like to see replicate this type of film? I think Radiohead and Iniesta. Ooh. Because I think they both occupy spaces as artists where the depth of the genius is not immediately apparent. Mm. And I think they'd bring each other out really, really well. Um, and I think that actually the focus of the video, the film, there'd be a lot of footage, of course, but there'd be a lot of Iniesta just like, you know, he went through that period of depression mm. and have him talking about the, the quiet moments, the difficult moments. And I think there'd be a really great feature you could do about the loneliness, the isolation of being the absolute peak player. And I'd like another one. I'd like to do a kind of a more dissonant one with Xavi and then a kind of, um, an artist that was, you wouldn't necessarily pair with him to really just capture the cost. Maybe, yeah, Chavi and Amon Tobin, I think. I, w- I would love to capture Chavi just like the in pitch, what, what, what the, how frantic it was to play that midfield position with all the sound, all the light. And I think Amon Tobin would do an incredible job at really, ca- for those who don't know Amon Tobin, sort of Brazilian artist, just like always ahead of his time. Yeah, Chavi and Amon Tobin. I'd like to go Italian and I'd like to go further back. Well, in that kind of film, mm. I'd like to go t- and do a load of the Derby della Madonina's when Sandro Mazzola and Gianni Rivera were playing against each other. Oh my goodness. Amazing. So amazing. Ma- Mazzola, obviously part of the Grande Inter, but him and Rivera were like best pals, but playing for obviously two rival, the two Mil- Milan rivals. Mm. And I would like someone like, either Gianfranco Riverberry or Ennio Morricone to score it. That's incredible. So like proper Italian Western soundtrack just with those two Because the Darvis are Westerns, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Maybe I might try and do a little, because we used to do those things, like I used to do those things a couple of years ago where I would like chop bits of, like highlights of football as to quote unquote better music. So we did like a Pogba and Prince one. So I might, I might find like, see if there's any highlights and see if I can actually do a, do one with like a Morocco or anything or something. I love that. That's got me, that's got me imagining, that's got me like almost like HBO imagining it. Does that make sense? Well, I mean, this is something that I've wanted to do for ages. Like we've actually, I mean, maybe we'll talk about it. Like when we planned Stadio originally, how Stadio, well, there was a question about this. So maybe we can move into that. We've got some more film stuff that we'll, we'll talk about. Um, Yeah, let's go into it. Yeah. uh, This one from Mindy, who said, tips on starting out as a podcast slash how it worked for you at the start. So when we started Stadio, I remember we were sat at my old apartment and we planned out five years. Maybe this is something we'll tease out a little bit, but you and I have been wanting to do a kind of like an online mentoring thing for a while, haven't we? That's right. Which I think we'll try and roll out at some point next year, which will be available to a certain amount of young people who, this is something we've wanted to do from the beginning to help them, not help, but kind of share how we did it in various things because you and I have done various things throughout throughout our careers and I think with Stadio it was very much like um, even though it was a massively oversaturated market we still felt that there was like a gap there yeah 
kind of almost doing to football what NTS was for, for radio in a way. And we wanted to do the podcast, we wanted to do a print thing, have the website, but also eventually then start to do films. Like we want to do films. That's the goal for Stadio. It's not just, it was never, the, the plan was never just to be a podcast ever. Right. It was, to, it was just supposed to be one part of it. And obviously with the pandemic and the restriction of travel and everything like that, it just meant that that was the thing that grew the quickest. But in terms of starting out, it was very much like we sketched out how we wanted to do it. Yeah. And there was another question about this, which kind of relates. And, and I think that I've said this to a few people who have asked me advice about this stuff before. And it was like, well, if you sketch out how you want it to look in five years time, it really helps make decisions moving backwards. Or like if when decisions come up or like choices come up in terms of like sponsorship things, like we knocked back a few sponsorship things because it didn't really fit. Doesn't fit with the plan. Yeah. Yeah. Set yourself really achievable goals quicker because it's really good to see those little goals being ticked off the list. So yeah, I suppose tips, tips for starting out is just, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with slow growth, I don't think, because I think if you build the foundations for what you want it to be, when it does grow, you still have that essence of... Well, no, actually both of our, I suppose both our careers have been slow growth. And the thing about slow growth is that by the time people notice you, you're so established in what you're doing, not that you're stubborn, but you're so established in what you're doing, what you represent, that by the time people find you, you are a finished product. I mean, you definitely. Not fit. I mean, there's always room to evolve. I mean, because I transitioned into football quite late. So I think that I was still mm. like a bit, I think most of the time when people saw you and I doing something together, everyone was like, oh yeah, I know Musa, but who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> like, where does <laughs> he come from? Uh, but yeah, like tips on starting out as a podcast and stuff. I mean, like I say, we were never supposed to just be a podcast. It was just supposed to be one arm of what we were doing. And that is the goal. The goal is, you know, yeah. we've got uh, almost a, a whole series of, a very, very specific kind of like Stadio-esque football documentary series. That's, what, how, that's how we want to do like a, a yeah, story absolutely. each episode and like highly creative and things like that. And we've just let all our secrets out now. But if anyone does this, I swear to God, I'm going to come for it. <laughs> all right, let's get into some movie questions. Here you go. Supercorp. What are your favorite movies, recent or all time? Spill your taste, please. They keep changing. Okay, so yeah. Shawshank Redemption, Ooh. Magnolia, Ooh. Raiders of the Lost Ark, Apocalypse Now, Redux, Avengers Infinity War. Sorry, Is it? Really like, yeah, just like, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's amazing. I think it's one of the movies when I was in the cinema. I think when I say favorite movies, I'm thinking about movies which when I saw them, my jaw dropped. Arrival as well. Arrival's unbelievable. Yeah, Arrival's unbelievable. Contact. Yeah, I love sort of big sci-fi stuff and deep emotional dives, I guess. Uh, um, yeah. I'm trying to think. I, yeah, Apocalypse Now is one of mine, I think. Um, I think All the President's Men is one of my favourite movies, actually. This is one I always watch. It's just one of those. Mm. If it's on TV, I will always watch it. I mean, not that I watch TV, but for example... It's one that I always, if I'm scrolling through Netflix or whatever, it's on Amazon Prime. I always stop a little bit on it and be like, oh, should I watch All the President's Men again? Mm, yeah. Mm. Um, uh, Jesus. Oh God, this is so tough. I think The Dark Knight is one of my favourite movies ever, actually. This is my problem. You know, it's a problem. There's a thousand movies I've forgotten. Mm. I've watched so much, like The Dark Knight definitely is one of my favourites. My favourite of the three Batman movies. 
And also it just completely changed superhero movies forever. Yeah, definitely. Wow, man, this is hard. Oh, do you know what? I think There Will Be Blood might be up there. Great shout. This is the problem, right? There's so many movies that people could be like, oh, why didn't you mention X, Y, Z? And I'd be like, of course that's there. Of course. There's a ton of movies that I, so I watch so much stuff. Mm. I think I forget sometimes how much, you know, I think we both do. We consume an absolute ton of, of films. There's so many, man. So many. And like, but like also, I'm a big fan of like space in films, not like space as in the final frontier, as in like space. So for example, I was watching something recently. Ah, I think that was my issue with um, The Last Blade Runner mm. was that there was a moment in the, in the score where Zimmer turns it into a kind of like an action movie 101 score. And what was, I think, what was really good about the rest of the movie was there was loads of space in the score. Like scores in movies are so important to me, for example. It can completely ruin a movie for me. Yeah. And I can't remember what movie I was watching recently, but it was just too much. It was too busy. It was, everything was too, and not in a kind of like a, not in an uncut gems kind of way, as in I'm like a, funny. I was exactly, didn't say funny, you know me too, I was going to say No, 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 gems. because that, yeah. that and- um, That works, what was, that works. Yeah. What was the other one that they did before with Robert Patterson? Good Time. Their movies are like mad stressful and it's part of the experience. I mean, if you get one of tricks point never like scoring your movies, it's not exactly going to be a, a breeze. No. Um, but like, for example, recently I was watching, I rewatched Dunkirk and I think I'd watched it after like a really busy movie. And the thing that I loved about it so much was just the space, like the shot of, um, one of my, it's one of my favorite movie shots ever, of, like ever, ever, ever is the full panning shot went from the beach of Tom Hardy's plane with the propeller off where he's just gliding Incredible. across Incredible. It's honestly, and it's yeah. just silence. It's honestly, I genuinely think it's one of the most like goosebump causing movie scenes ever. It's amazing. I'd love to make, I'd love to write a really slow film. Yeah. There's a, um, what's a, you know, that's funny because I'm just thinking of a friend of mine. There's a friend of mine who always laughs whenever I mention rotor petition in any context. I watched that last night. Sam Mendes' use of space in rotor petition is incredible. Mm. They stripped away a lot of dialogue because they wanted the cinematography to do the work. Um, and I love those conscious choices in movies. Again, I would think of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Mm. Just a, a truly great movie. There's a really I great movie these- that I watched a few years, uh, that was from ages ago. I think it won the Palm d'Or at Cannes called Uncle Boom Me Who Can Recall His Past Lives. And it was really famed for its use of negative space. And almost like each shot was, it was under edited. Mm. You know, it's not like an action movie. I mean, I love yeah. action movies, but um, I don't know. There's some, sometimes like in movies, like I've been watching loads of really old movies recently. I've been watching a load of old, like I watched Serpico a couple of weeks ago, like I mentioned, I've been watching a lot of, a lot of old De Niro and Pacino movies recently just because it's been so long. It's almost like they're back. There's been enough time now since I last watched Taxi Driver, for example, to watch it again. Or like I watched King of Comedy the other day and it's like a super fucking strange movie. It's like one of the strangest ones that Scorsese's done, I think definitely one of the strangest characters De Niro's played but like space is such an amazing thing in, in movies yeah in, in, in movies and and in music actually you mm. know um, this is a different conversation obviously we haven't done a, mu- a music podcast and obviously you're we're both big lovers of music um, but yeah the older I get the more I look at contemplation when I first started writing I used to try and make everything busy every sentence spectacular but it's exhausting and for the reader, not for the writer, but for the reader. And I look at like Martin Scorsese, 
what he did with the Irishman as a study of aging. Oh. If you just if you just watch De Niro's character, unbelievable movie. If you just watch De Niro's character and look at him as a study of aging, that is as beautiful and precise a study of aging as I've seen in film. It's absolutely is exquisite. I think I, I genuinely think the Irishman is what is top five Scorsese movie. It's incredible it's for that. Unbelievable. You, yeah. And some people watch it for different things. I think people are watching it expecting a different type of movie, but I watched it and I was absolutely enthralled by oh, it. Ryan. I could not, I, I was like, yeah, three and a half hours and my eyes were just like glued Absorbed, absorbed. Yeah. I was like, wow, this person. And this is around the time he was talking about the Marvel movies, wasn't he? Going, ah, oh, the Marvel movies are this and that. Then he drops the Irishman and everyone's like, yeah, all right. This is what all he's right, talking about. Yeah. All right, yeah, we get it. Yeah, fair This play. is what he's talking. He's not just trying to be, he's not trying to be unpleasant for the sake of, he's talking about, contemplation. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, it's interesting because obviously the Marvel movies, which I, you know, they're very enjoyable. They're based about a bunch of people running around, crash bang wallop without really paying the consequences of their actions, because a lot of those people actually would be convicted for war crimes. Like, <laughs> if, yeah, like they're war crimes. basically, you know, what they do to New York was a war crime. Yep. Yeah. They beat bad guys, but they're war criminals. Right. And the Irishman is incredible because it's about the implications mm. of assuming superpowers over a population. Right. So the Irishman, basically, if you look at that as a story of like the aging, aging superheroes, because in, in their own minds, they were gods and superheroes, like Jimmy Hoffa and mm -hmm. Scorsese, they were superheroes and you watch them decline in power and influence and respect and mobility. It's, I mean, to be honest, actually, there's a movie I'd want to, I'd love to write. It's aging superheroes, actually. Mm. I'd love to write that movie. Yeah, instead of the origin stories, we need to be like, we need more retirement stories. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, all right, John Larkin, are Musa and Ryan PlayStation players? I am, you're not. I'm not, definitely not. I'm no good at those games. No, last game I played was actually, because so the big ones that come out, like the long games or whatever, I usually leave until they go in the sale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, games that don't age or date. So the most recent game I played was Red Dead 2. Uh, I got it about two months ago and it was amazing. It was absolutely incredible. Pro it might be the greatest game I've ever played. Was it like a shooter map? It's basically like GTA, but in the night, like in the year 1900 in the West. God, sounds amazing. But like the story of it is deep. It's, yeah. And I'd w <laughs> watched Bush Cassidy and the, Sun and the Sundance Kid. And I was just like, oh, is this just like Red Dead? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, well, yeah. Because I haven't watched a Western for so long. Uh, it's basically just playing and it's like living a Western. It's amazing. Yeah. Okay, right. Moving on to music. Cheeky Ball Boys. Shouts to Bob. Is there a song that if it comes on the radio while you're in the car or shower, you will sing your heart to it every time? You sing your heart out to it every time. Yeah. Yeah, there is. It's Everywhere by Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, it it's not a cool song but it can't be a cool thing, I don't think. There's not actually many songs that come on the radio that I would sing along to. There are songs that I... Oh, Labby uh, for my song. Nice. Uh, and also there's a song they'd never play on the radio because doesn't get, no one really likes it or doesn't get the kind of airtime it deserves. But Most Def's Modern Marvel is one of the few times someone actually covers like Marvin, a Marvin Gaye tune and it's perfect. Mm. It's perfect. Like it's very difficult to cover that. So yeah, most deaths, modern Marvel off the very underrated new danger album. Good, good choices. Yeah. Um, shouts to Ed. Ed says Wu-Tang or tribe. Wu. 
I love Tribe. I love Tribe. Ooh. But Wu-Tang is for the babies. Wu-Tang is for the babies. Do you know what? I think there's a, I think there's a really good argument here that I think that like, I think Tribe are more consistent. But no th- question. But I think the, like the peak, that like the gap between the best of Wu-Tang and the worst of Wu-Tang is way wider than the best and worst of Tribe. Agreed. But I think the absolute top, top highs of Wu-Tang slightly, ever so slightly pick it. I adore I both outfits and I've never seen anything like Wu-Tang. I adore both outfits. I love Tribe. This is, very, this is like a De Niro uh, Pacino argument yeah. for me. The amount, I mean, put it this way, Wu-Tang are so rent-free in my head. I have a cousin, shout out to Dowdy out in Seattle. Dowdy and I would actually greet each other with an email. We'd, back in the day, we used emails for WhatsApp. I'd email him about something and it'd be a Wu-Tang lyric in the opening line of the email and he'd reply to the email with the next line from Wu-Tang. Like we just, we just swap email, like Wu-Tang versus. It's, it's just such a part of, I mean, I, I used to be able to, there were entire albums on the Off By Heart from Wu-Tang, entire mm. albums. And I'd use them in debates, essays, reasoning. They, they were the most brilliant at, of all the rappers I listened to. Wu-Tang were the best. There's an amazing, they do the mystery of chess boxing. They were the best at expressing societal themes in two lines. So they were talking about the death penalty and the mystery of chess boxing. They were like, um, homicide is illegal and death is the penalty. What justifies the homicide when he dies in his own iniquity? Basically going like, if you kill someone with an electric chair, you've committed another homicide. Exactly. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, how, uh, how has a rapper, basically, who they denigrated, like working class black person denigrated by the whole society, has explained the death penalty and its paradox better than any mm. constitutional legal theorist I've ever heard. Like, and I would quote that to people and be like, oh, that's Wu-Tang. I was like, yeah, that's Wu-Tang. Uh, speaking of kind of poetry, we had a thing from Ryan Teitman said, what's your favourite poets? William Blake. It's hard to argue with Blake, huh? <sighs> William Blake was like, they just thought he was a slightly eccentric engraver. <laughs> right? And they're like, oh, oh, this guy, this oh, actually, guy was wrote a, poetry. He was like a goat. <laughs> This guy wrote poetry as well. Ooh, I don't know. I, I really like, um, yeah, William, it's hard to argue with William Blake, isn't it? Blake and everyone gets annoyed with me when I say this. Oh my God, what a cliche. And I say, oh, Dante, Dante's Inferno is one of those stunning pieces of poetry I've ever read. They're like, oh, Dante's unoriginal. I'm like, Dante. Like, is it too basic of me to say Plath? No. Plath's craft was it the thin, the thin people she did. Mm about the generation post-war. They always were the thin people. There's something, I don't I know, there's something just like, you know, like occasionally if you're just sat around and you just like pick up a, pick up a Plath book and you just go to yeah. any page and there will be like eight lines. Plath's craft was unparalleled. Astonishing, yeah. astonishing writer. Uh, Matt Pennington, favourite activities away from football slash writing that you do? I started to like buy books on things that I just, want to know more about like i've been getting really into like <laughs> getting really into like furniture design or like design in general actually i mean i've always had a bit of an interest in design but i mean like books that you can just occasionally flick through like architecture books or furniture design books or lettering or and like i like it's a bit of a cliche as well but like learning a little bit more about types of plants just because yeah i like plants but I've realized I don't actually really know much about them, you know? So I've, over the last year or so, I've been just picking up the odd book every now and again that you can just, like a reference book, really, you know, like a hardback, yeah. one of those things, not an actual 
book that you're going to read for entertainment, but just know, maybe that's a sign of getting old. It's like, oh, go, no, fetch, I think the, it's... Uh, go, fetch, the, go fetch the plant book. It could be. <laughs> I mean, I, I think um, I actually got worried because someone asked me this question recently and I was like, there aren't that many things at the moment that I'm doing beyond a lot of work. But I think like music and movies and stuff like that as well. Like we've covered movies and music, obviously. But To be um, honest with you, I, I, okay, if I'm honest with you, one of the things I love doing I just put on an album that I'm obsessed with Mm. and then I go for like a really long wander. Mm. Yes. Like two, three hours for two, three hours at a time. And someone, someone said to me a long time ago, they're like, Oh, why don't you get a bike? You're always walking up. And I said, because I'm not in a hurry. Mm. I'm not in a hurry. And I've always been that person that's like taken the longer contemplative walk. So yeah, a good album and a, a a huge walk. Mm -hmm. That's my, that's my happy place to be honest. Nice. Um, I reckon we're good, huh? Yeah, let's do- thanks to everyone who submitted questions. Sorry, we couldn't get to all of them, but I um, hope you enjoyed a little wander off the footballing path. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, don't forget we'll be back on Monday with our final stadio until after the group stages of the Euros. Don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Check Stadio on Twitter, Stadio Football on Instagram. Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Search for Stadio Outros. Uh, we're playing out on Courage by Talking Drums. Anything you want to add, Musa, before we bounce? No, I'm good. I'm good. No agendas. Lovely. Nothing to push. No artificial additives. Lovely. Uh, Have a lovely weekend, everyone. Much love. And we'll be back on Monday. See you then.